Hey everybody, Rob here. Can you believe it's April? Start of a brand new month. It's the best time to become a patron of Rob is a Podcast. We have so much going on here for you in April as our RHAP team is working hard to bring you all of your favorite podcasts all month long between everything we have going on with Survivor, Big Brother Canada, all of the other podcasts that we have for you on our Rahap Ups network. It's a great way to help support everything we have going on and to get even more out of your RHAP experience with weekly activities, bonus patron shows, and so much more. It's the beginning of a new month, the best time to jump in because you can give being a patron a try. And if for any reason you don't like it, you can cancel before the start of a new month. And we've got our patron orientation coming up, a meet and greet where I get to say hi to all of our new patrons here coming up on the last Tuesday of the month. So give it a try in April. Robiswebsite.com slash patron. That's Robiswebsite.com slash patron. is back season two episode eight and uh your savage crew is back again to pick apart another episode of uh tough as nails and of course uh we have our esteemed panel here back with us uh once again to talk about it here ready to drive through any wall jessica lease jess how are you Doing great, Rob. I baked cookies. Oh, wait, no, this is just a big pan full of oil. <laughs> oh, no. I thought that was chocolate syrup. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to have to taste it. Uh, no, definitely oil. Okay. Are those blueberries or are they blackberries? Um, they were blueberries at one point. Okay. All right. Um, of course, back with us once again. A man who uh, always talks to inanimate objects and looks for them to respond to him. Uh, here is uh, Mike Bloom. Isn't that what Brant Steels are, essentially? Us mm-hmm. talking to inanimate objects and expecting responses back? So listen, I'm in Ford. Phil can sass me all he wants, but I'm very much in the Arida <laughs> camp of just talk out loud and see if a voice may respond to you at some point. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I think that our uh, blueberries are blackberries this morning as uh, we are in mourning of Knuckles eliminated. I did not see that coming. No, yes. Je- okay. Je- just has just has the hood up. Yes, uh, she's blanketing. I'm blanketing. Yes, I'm very sad. Yeah, uh, that was wild that we ended up seeing, and now Arida all of a sudden uh, is uh, unstoppable in the overtimes. The overtime assassin, Arida. Who would have thought? And this is you know two in a row as well. She really has a, a streak going in that perspective, and not just the oil streaks on her clothes. Yeah, I mean this this was tough. This was really tough. This is one of those examples we talked about a little bit with Meryl last week of like, when you like this cast so much, inevitably people you like have to go. But it was a little bit of a blindside considering that if we're trying to read the edit here, I do feel like for one reason or another, Knuckles was someone who we went to a lot and learned a lot about over the course of the season. Yeah. Jess, I know that you are a uh, self-proclaimed Knuckles stan. How are you doing? I'm I'm coping, Rob. I've I've really I've been taking the day to digest this information. It's it's a little upsetting. I think at at one point we were saying that Knuckles was like the young of the 
of the season two because she kept going into overtime and kept bouncing back. Now we're we're gonna have to revise that. I think it's Irida. Yeah. Uh, right, it's two for two in uh, the overtime. Um, Knuckles seems to have an Achilles heel where, and she mentioned in this episode, she's not good with tools. You know, uh, give her like a, a, a you know, she climb up and down the orange tree. She's a, a hustler, but when it comes to like even like Mike when they went to the stadium and she yeah. had to put the seats together, that was the other time she went to the overtime. Well, then remember the very first time she was supposed to go to the overtime was her operating the bulldozer and she couldn't do that either. So it really is like Knuckles takes medication warnings literally and says, like, I'm not going to operate heavy machinery. I'm not going to utilize tools. And as a result, this sort of came back to bite her here in that obviously I think her inexperience with uh, working the bolts under the, the cars were something that sent her into overtime and then from then on out, while it probably was one of the closest OTs we've had so far, I think it's just a general ex- inexperience with tools that let uh, her sort of fall under a rider here. Yeah. I would even go further and say it's more of a, it's less of a particular tool thing as, but more of a very many tiny steps and like mm. tiny tasks to do. This was a multi-part thing that she had to do and it was hard to figure out like it wasn't necessarily obvious what is the first thing you have to do you have to get like three different sockets you have to open up three different types of bolts so i can see where she gets really flustered when there's a lot of tiny steps and it's not obvious what the first thing you have to do is Mm -hmm. yeah god knows i'd still be there Mm, me too (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's what's this thing again? The oil pan, exhaust port, mm-hmm. about to fire something in there to blow up the the engine. Is that what we're doing in this OT, Phil? Mm-hmm. You know, Jess, I saw on Twitter that you had an interesting observation of being able to sort of like uh, identify sort of like the uh, general attitudes of a number of the toughest nails contestants. Yeah, I I had observed this while they were doing the first challenge. You had Zeus, who was ostensibly the crew boss um i'm not sure i'm not sure how someone that doesn't talk to the other contestants uh could make an effective crew boss but you have him well saying, in fairness uh it wasn't super effective it was not super effective <laughs> yeah i but i i thought well first of all we got to talk about the complicated mess that was this task like uh, last season it was like go find one part out of a car yeah go find the alternator this was like put together a whole ass car oh i loved it i it loved great. it so much it's, it's it was i think this might be honestly my favorite challenge of the season yeah so i loved it too you know who didn't love it zeus because <laughs> he would have had to read the manual mm-hmm. and the personality types we saw here it's like you were given a complicated task you have zeus that's like i'm just gonna dig in and i don't need the manual i'm gonna figure it out then you have irida who's like i'm gonna go back and read the instructions again mm-hmm. then you have angel that's like give me the thing i'm I hungry thing. Mm-hmm. feed me yeah. give me car parts just like, are you saying literal quote there's a buzzfeed quiz in the making of uh which tough as nail season two contestant are you yeah buzz softy buzz <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised there isn't one Buzz already. Feed me. Like, yeah. This is, this, is just, this is just testament to how little CBS is marketing this show. They could be building BuzzFeed quizzes. Yeah. And it could go viral, but 
there it's just right there for the picking it's low-hanging fruit oh wait that was another week but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah just i was thinking about what you wrote and i was just thinking about it, like in the context of like if there's ever like a do a podcast challenge uh like i feel like uh, i can imagine them i just feel like that angel would be sitting there like at the microphone like all right, all right i'm ready to go let's start the podcast come on give me something let's start it yeah, I think I think if if we we're trying to like disseminate podcast personalities, Zeus is just sort of like, yeah, I came in with like a rough plan, but we'll sort of go wherever it takes us. And like, is the moderator to sit back and let the guests talk? Uh, Angel is definitely the one who's like, nope, gotta talk about this. Okay, let's jump into the next thing. Come on, come on, come on. We got to Let's get to listener questions. <laughs> uh, and then maybe Knuckles is more so like, uh, okay, what are we doing here? I'm trying to. What, what's happening right now? I'm not entirely sure. This is chaotic. Put yeah, it on and the wheel. It took notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like I need to go back to my notes for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, no, and but you're like, all right, where are my notes? Come on, notes. Where are you? Where'd you go? Notes, notes. Holler if you hear me. Notes. Where'd you? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> so all right, um, we were back at the pickup part. Do we know? Was this the same one as in season one? I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I would, we'll have to ask Phil. I wonder, I mean, I can't imagine there are that many mm-hmm. in the same area. So I'd, I'd imagine it looks similar at yeah. least to the, the infamous alternator stuff from season one. So uh, we go into this battle for the teams here with a four, three uh, dirty hands lead. And like, uh, maybe we're just too inside here, but I feel like there's two episodes left. Uh, I, I don't know how Savage Crew doesn't walk away with the win here today. Like, what would happen? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the next week it would just be like, okay, well, Savage Crew, despite losing, you could still earn money. But from that perspective, like, is Dirty Hands maybe going to ease up on the gas pedal a bit to use a car analogy and be like, all right, we already won our 60,000. Maybe they should get a little bit as well. I mean, I don't know if it was uh, fortuitous or unfortuitous timing for dirty hands that they get the car challenge when their car guy is MIA again, still big question mark for the leading question of the series as to whether or not freight train will come back into the competition. I almost feel like, um, you know, I, both uh you know uh just and i last week uh doubted you as to uh freight trains uh returnee status but after this week i feel like that there's almost no chance freight train isn't coming back because there's so much freight train talk yeah they don't talk about the other two who have left Mm -hmm. yeah but it's you know all freight train all the time it's almost like he's still there even though we know he's not physically there Mm -hmm. he is like his spirit is just chugging along with the rest of the team. Yeah, I think Freight Train got more visibility this week than like Swifty or Merrill did. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like that uh, we will see Freight Train uh, once again. I don't know yeah, if it w- won't be until the finale, maybe. Yeah, he'll I mean, be in uh, the finale for sure. Definitely. I guess I the big question is, is he going to be there next week? I mean, yeah, it, it's so odd. Again, like to just couple on, like you said, Rob, with what, what we talked about last week, it would just be so odd if he wasn't in the competition. And then we get all this talk right about like, I hope we show up and freight trains there. And then you even have Phil in what might be a little bit of ADR say, well, freight train is still in quarantine for breaking the COVID bubble, right? It's mm-hmm. not, well, freight train isn't here anymore, so he won't be back. There seems to be uh, still a lot of contingencies that have been brought in. I don't know. I think it's doubtful he'll be back next week, but I agree, even though he won't be doing anything team-wise, I think he, he'll probably be there in the finale, like rooting on those final four. Just how good would freight train need to be with cars to have gotten dirty hands the win? 
Well, I think they would have made him crew boss, which might have done it all by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think you have the right person in charge and the right person that knows what they're doing. And yeah. it might have even been a blowout. Oh, but yeah. we're, we're sliding doors here. I don't think there's any way we know for Literally. sure. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. uh, because uh, Freight Train used to remember they showed the picture of him being like a, a drag racer. Yeah, he was basically Danny Zuko. <laughs> yeah, so maybe he was, uh, you know, able to like, put these cars uh, together by himself in the garage. But okay, uh, no freight train, and so he had to go uh, pick out all of uh, the car parts. And I was confused, and maybe uh, one of you has uh, like you know more insight into this uh, than I did. But was it one car? that they were like taking apart and then building back as another car? Or did you have to find the parts from different vehicles in the pick apart? Dead air. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Mike or I could tell you. I don't, I mean, I don't think we are not car people. Mm-hmm. No, we're not car talk people. I, I would imagine it's a bunch of different cars. Cause what's the contest in that? If it's all one car, right. Then Phil would just say, run out to the clearly marked car in the graveyard and find the parts. I would imagine that much like the individual challenge, it was a lot of, okay, you kind of have to scavenge your way through all these various cars. I mean, I might we might do some shot-by-shot comparisons. It doesn't seem like they were mm-hmm. scrapping parts off of the same car, because if so, then it really is just take the parts off of one car and put them all onto another car. Uh, though I guess we didn't get a, a look at the final vans to just see how, like, jank they looked with all like here's a red door and a blue hood and Mm -hmm. you know four different types of wheels those are the different types of cars where mike is concerned (laughs) red and blue yeah i I very much have like a seven-year-old vocabulary when it comes to cars (laughs) yeah i think it it had to be really really byzantine if that's the case though because not every part goes on every car right hmm like it's not one to one. I mean, I everything I know about cars comes from the Johnny Cash song "One Piece at a Time," mm-hmm. and I know he had to do some work to get all those pieces to fit together. And that was all Cadillac. Like, what if you mm-hmm. have different brands? You can't mm-hmm. just take a door off of one car and put it on another car. So you don't even know red and blue. Yeah, take maybe, the door off the maybe, red car, and put it on the blue one. Maybe there was a happy medium here where there was like a selection of five mm. or six cars that could choose because there was that one scene right where in one of the many communication breakdowns on Dirty Hands. Irida has a battery and then Angel says, like, look, I have a battery. I have a battery right here. Look at the battery. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, I already have a battery. And those are clearly coming from two separate yeah. cars. I just wonder, like, how many, like, 2004 Dodge minivans uh, <laughs> did they have here in uh, the pick one pick apart? Well, Rob, it is the biggest pick apart ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what the exact superlative was. P.S. I did Google this. There are at least a dozen salvage yards called pick your part in the greater los angeles area so mm, okay you guys have so much space out there mm-hmm. like, as a new yorker this is hard to envision yes but which one but, has like the guinness world record of being world's biggest pick apart i mean did they call guinness to verify that because if they didn't i'm not going to call it that mike do you think that roofer lee was jealous that uh he didn't get to hang out there in the pick apart that was like you know his what? favorite place to hang out what should have happened is obviously uh, had these circumstances not occurred, Phil should have said, okay, Freight Train won't be participating, but you get a ringer for this challenge, Dirty Hands. Roofer Lee, come on in. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like on that in Survivor Israel, right, where that tribe won Rupert as a reward. You get Roofer Lee here. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have to imagine Roofer Lee would be better at that than Rupert was. Yeah. R- Rupert Lee. Yeah, yeah. Rupert Lee. <laughs> 
That would be wild to have somebody, uh, one of the alumni, uh, come in. You know, like uh, I feel like that in a world that was like uh, not undergoing a global pandemic. Like I feel like that, like in the Find Your Inner Murph challenge, it would be great to actually have Murph there. Uh, so, like, uh, it would be fun in future seasons <laughs> to bring in like the alumni. Yeah. I love that though because the point of that challenge was that like Murph conquered his fear, but he did finish in last place. <laughs> <laughs> but he won the show. No. He yeah. won the there show. Are different kinds of victories, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love that idea. Survivor South Africa, the season that Shannon and I just watched did this, where like there was a reward challenge, and whoever won the reward challenge got to use a sports celebrity on their team for the immunity mm-hmm. challenge. Like, imagine the team challenges. All right, you won. Uh Danny Drywall is gonna help you out for the next team challenge. Yeah. Well, it looks like next roof. week is the memorial Danny Drywall challenge. Are they yeah. putting up drywall? It looks like it, right? They're like putting up something yeah. in the house. I did. I saw Angel uh, holding up like uh, Atlas style, sort of like when we saw Danny doing in his intro shots, right? Mm-hmm. Just holding the the pieces. Raise the roof. Your head. Yeah. Well, maybe they're writing a musical. Maybe they're finally writing our musical. <laughs> like. <laughs> nothing, nothing to do in quarantine, but that. Jess, I was very surprised that Savage Crew uh, sat out Merrill uh, this week, and so you know we had talked about last week. Could you sit out the same person back to back weeks? It seems like that it didn't come up to sit Selly out for this competition. But I was really surprised they went with Merrill because we heard from Merrill a couple of weeks ago that Merrill used to like uh, work with like the mechanics on the planes because she wanted to know how every part of the planes were. And I felt like that there was at least like some like uh, parallel skill sets between, you know, plane parts and car parts. No, they all have bolts and they're all made out of metal. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's pretty much like you could just go out and get the door off the plane and put it on the car. Mm. Um, I I don't know. It, it's a curious choice, but it, it also. Yeah, it worked fine. They did. Mm-hmm. They did great. Well, I, I have to imagine that the rule is that you can't sit people out in some in back to back challenges. Now that we've seen this, we didn't really. Mm-hmm. get into it like when phil's here i think we should flag that to ask him but yeah i don't i don't really know why they would sit her out unless other people have actually worked on a car and not a plane well i don't know this kind of was Sally's challenge because i feel like now look here's the line of logic she is known mm. not to be the best driver she has often seen the inside of a mechanic shop probably more times than your average yes. bear. Could it be that she knows car parts better than anyone else just through osmosis? Yeah. A very good point. Uh, may, maybe. Uh, and while we talked about dirty hands and uh, they, you know, maybe did they psych themselves out because uh, on the way to the pick apart, like, as long as it's not a car challenge today, we're, we're doing great. Anything but yeah. car parts. Uh, and then they showed it like, uh, oh, wait, let's make a left turn here. Uh, go into this junkyard. Don't. <laughs> yeah, this was this is one of the biggest cluster F's I think we've seen on Tough as Nails ever. And Phil really mentioned it, right? The fact that it was a really difficult challenge, yeah. but Dirty Hands was just all over the map. Quite literally, people were getting lost. They were bringing back duplicate parts. Angel was insistent that, you know, oh, you need the front seat, even though I just brought back a front seat. Everyone was Mm -hmm. just incredibly confused. There was not a unifying voice, whether from Zeus or anyone else. One voice. Exactly. And and as a result, they they ended up uh, jinxing themselves, much like Stephanie LaGrosa did back in 2010. (laughs) Yes. At one point, did they actually put a door on the wrong side of the car? Like, how does that even work? How would you even get it on there? Well, I think it was that. So they already like, let's say they already took apart a left door 
and were going to put it on and they were going for right door, I think Zeus took off another left door and was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. crap, I took off the wrong side door and I can't just, this is an attire, I can't just flip it around. They mm-hmm. didn't put the left door on the right side. Right, exactly. It was more so that they had two left doors. Okay. Um, meanwhile, for Savage Crew, this was uh, Scott's turn at redemption. And so we got to hear uh, some of Scott's backstory and some of uh, how uh, Scott was feeling coming into the challenge that he really let the Savage Crew down last week. Now, Mike, was this an underreported story of how Scott was responsible for the slip ups in the gardening challenge? Because I didn't really remember that being part of the story last week. But I mean, Scott is talking about and Phil really was hanging a spotlight on how Scott really screwed up the gardening challenge last week. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like our takeaway, at least last week, was it was more of a Swifty thing than a Scott thing, right? That Swifty's leadership, he's the one that's putting things in the, like, putting the, planting the plants still in their plastic. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's not really delegating. Even Swifty himself last week said, I take this loss. So I, I find it interesting that Scott sort of has his own personal perspective into it, feeling like, oh, I was way too quiet last time, and so I really need to step up. I mean... For what it's worth, we saw this as well in the very first challenge that they won when they were building the house. Like when Scott takes charge, he might be one of the best leaders on the show. Mm-hmm. Like it is incredibly efficient, the job he is able to do, which makes sense given that that this is his day to day. So I'm happy that you know he was able to step up. But yeah, I agree. An interesting narrative that's a little incongruous with, I think our own perspective of what happened during that landscaping challenge last week. Yeah. I just thought they were like, everybody's being kind of hard on Scott based on what we saw from uh, last week's show. But, um, it must have been it must have been something that was talked about there because you know Scott himself like started the episode talking about the self doubt he had after that, uh, and then it was also coming coming from Phil. Uh, he's talking about how the dirty hands car looked like uh, what the Savage Cruise Garden looked like. <laughs> yeah, it it is it is not very effective storytelling in this instance. I have no idea what Scott was doing that last week and they didn't show it to us like we even Mm -hmm. remarked we don't really know what scott is doing um and we always know what scott is doing because he's getting the ottp edit Mm -hmm. and it was almost like they're apologizing to us for not showing us enough scott which i understand i accept your apology Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Um, i mean on that note we we big episode i would say for both scott and sarah alike and i'm sure we'll talk about sarah later but i mean this is when we get like a big introduction for something that I know Scott talks a lot about on his social media profiles, which is the fact that he underwent a lot of bullying as a kid. Uh, and I really, Scott's picture was so cute. I mean, look, I know that we are sort of, I think, uh, part of that same group of people that probably maybe would maybe uh, face some harassment on the way to cor- to chorus class outside mm-hmm. of school as well. But it was also really interesting to see this perspective because I do feel like up until this point, the only thing we really got from Scott was like, oh, he's the front runner. He's the front runner. And so with any of these shows and with any of these sort of people that are in it to win it, I always like when we find out a little bit more personal information about them and how even someone like Scott had something that he had to overcome to get to the position he's yeah. in. Yeah. And you know things were bad because that uh, Scott said, I believe Mike, he got bullied by the band. 
Did he say the band? Oh. Was it was it band? Was, wow. was, or maybe he was, or was he? I, I don't want to misquote. Or was he coming out of the band? But I feel like that. You know, if you're in the pecking order where the band is coming after you, yeah, that's whoa, that's rough. Is that, is that just like the chain of bullying where like the band kids were getting were getting picked on for? Like, yeah, it all goes downhill, somebody. right? Yeah, I, I promise you, I was a band geek, and we didn't have anybody to bully. Like there was nobody else mm-hmm. down there. Like and. P.S. I don't trust anybody who wasn't bullied in middle school. Mm-hmm. Like that is, it, it is character building. And I, I bet it was very gratifying when Scott got his growth spurt and then he was like two feet taller than everybody else mm-hmm. in his school. Yeah. That must have yeah. felt really good. I watched this episode with my wife last night and uh, she was saying that she also had uh, a he- the headset, uh, oh, which I think that might be her origin story of how she mm. turned into a bully then after that. <laughs> I was going to say, how she turned into a podcaster. No. Having a headset on it all the time. No, I don't know. So uh, that's uh, an interesting backstory for uh, the first lady of podcasting. Um, Wow. Do you want to talk about Sarah that we also got uh, some of her backstory? And Jess, I feel like similar to Arida where that uh, and it had been mentioned on the show that Sarah is diabetic. And then uh, a lot of her like pregame press, she talked about how she wanted to change uh, the narrative. But we saw Selly like having to, uh, you know, uh, check in with Sarah and check on her insulin. And she talked about like just how often she has to check her insulin insulin levels and i was really blown blown away she has to wake up in the middle of the night to check her insulin and as somebody who uh really like uh you wake me up in the middle of the night very hard for me to get back to sleep could you imagine well i think you you must get used to it i think it's just what you have to go through and i really have been enjoying we've had a lot of awareness of um how difficult it is to manage type 1 diabetes um i think also, we talked about um, during Amazing Race, uh, it was something that Leo talked about, and mm-hmm. it's come up in various times. I think Amazing Race 17, they had uh, one of Nat or Cat, I cannot remember who, but it is something that it just kind of, it's something that has to be in the back of your head all day, every day. Where's my blood sugar at? Where's my blood sugar at? And it does really hamper your ability to do something like this. So I think you have to be like even tougher to be on tough as nails and be in these really intense situations, but also have to keep in the back of your mind that your blood sugar is relevant. It's a, it was a really interesting balance of portrayal where at, on the one hand, they really underline the severity of it, right? Where, uh, you know, Selly's saying like, oh, you're at 60 right now. Well, technically at 70, I'm supposed to call the doctor. But at the same time, then you have Sarah being like, I felt my blood sugar crash, but I had to push through it. You know, so it is a thing of it should be something that's that's taken very seriously. But at the same time, it is not something to preclude you from being a normal person. That you can still work through things, and, I, and that's a, a very big reason why I'm very glad that that Sarah's on the show. And let me say firsthand to our our new arrival here on the podcast, Phil Kogan. I mean, thank you for for helping cast Sarah on the show because I do feel like she is a great example of how bringing someone on who, if you don't necessarily know someone with type one diabetes, and you think it is like a life ender for so many people in terms of living a normal life, that is very much the opposite as, as Sarah shows. And excuse my ignorance, but do you have some connection to type one diabetes? I do not. And so that's why I really valued it. You know, I've luckily, I guess social media has allowed me to, to, you know, connect with those who, who are, and, you know, I have found out about things about your blood sugar level crashing in the middle of the night and a chance of you dying in your sleep. Uh, do you not wake up at fortuitous times? And so it's, it's a scary existence yet. 
it's a livable existence, I think is is what Sarah is putting across here. And it's it's very meaning to me as someone who, you know, does not experience that firsthand. Mm-hmm. Now, I yep. have a, actually have a really close friend who has type 1 diabetes and it has come up like several times, like every few years, something happens that puts her in the hospital for a couple of weeks. And it's been really, it's been a hard thing for her to manage and it's a really stressful thing to go through. So I love when we get visibility and I think she also loves when there's visibility for it on a show yep. like this. There was a um, there was a, a cycling team, um, a professional cycling team. Type one, I think, is what the name of the cycling team was, and and they literally were all type ones, and they were out there to prove that you could be a professional athlete and still perform really well. And you know, I think this this again speaks to the beauty of having people through the whole season. Is you know, had we front loaded that story of Sarah at the front of the season people would have been looking at everything she's achieved along the way based on, oh, she's a type one diabetic. Oh, hasn't she done well? And we wanted to leave that story nugget of her at a time where she kind of excelled against the best that were left and, mm. and then say, you know, and everybody does a kind of double take. You mean this whole time she's been dealing with this and she's done that, you know, like, and it, to me, it really accentuated the point that she was making, which was it doesn't stop you from doing things, but it does mean you've got to make certain allowances and adjustments. And so I love that moment at the end. And I love how Sally came in and was taking care. And we learned something. I learned something. And um, again, this, what a great takeaway. The next time we meet a, another type one, the audience maybe will not see that as some kind of hindrance for living a full life but that yeah you've got to manage Mm -hmm. it but you can still do extraordinary things yeah that's an interesting uh shift in terms of like a lot of times on a reality tv show if somebody has some sort of like a condition uh that they are dealing with on the show we usually that's the first thing that we know about them and uh we end up like sort of like thinking about that person like oh oh who's that oh the 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 diabetic that's on the show like uh and then that's a really interesting way to sort of like uh the way that you might like in real life uh like meet somebody and then learn about that they have a condition uh is like uh definitely humanizes them in a, in a different way as opposed to just like looking at them through the condition that you get up front. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, and how many times do we all, we just do that, right? Like we have sort of, um, we have bias, right? Like we hear somebody is, comes from a certain place or, um, you know, we hear an accent and we make certain assumptions. I just read a fantastic book, by the way, um, called, uh, I think it's called You Say Potato. And it's all about accents. I'm fascinated with accents. But, you know, how we judge people by the way that they speak, by the way that they dress, we immediately make these assumptions about people. And so for a lot of people, they hear somebody is type 1 diabetic, they make an assumption immediately about that person. And she kind of proved that she could compete on tough as nails and was a force. And then it was revealed, oh, and she's done that managing her type one diabetes. So, um, cause in, in, in episode two, there was a moment where she also had to check her blood sugar and it got low cause the slime meal challenge went on quite a long time. And we deliberately did not use that scene in episode two, because we later on back producing from the end, we decided that this episode in eight was 
the most poignant moment or best time to share that story. So um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little late. We were, uh, what were we doing? We were meeting about the last show. Going, mm-hmm. to say, we, we were trying to come up with an excuse to show up late to dinner this time. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. I uh, anyway, it's nice to talk to you guys. Did you did you enjoy last night's episode? Yeah, yeah. we okay. did. I mean, to, to that point, uh, what Phil was was this sort of a reprise of last season? We were trying to figure out was this indeed the same pick apart that we went to last season with the alternators? Yeah, it was, and. Um, Part of the reason was, again, just the challenge of finding new locations and new locations that could cope with or uh, could accommodate us with the space that you need to set up COVID production. Um, And again, I mean, I've spoken about it before, but we're not shooting in the Big Brother house. We haven't got one location that we keep going back to where we can just you know, once we've got it locked in, once we have the protocol set, it's like, okay, done with that. Now we focus on everything else. Mm. We had to focus on this every single location and, you know, 30 challenges or how many ever it is and every single time. So yeah, we ended up back there. Um, and, uh, uh, but to be honest with you, we started with the challenge and then it was about where we were going to do it. And other locations we looked at that could have worked um, looked very similar. I mean, you go to a pick apart, it, they're pretty similar looking. You got a bunch of dead cars stacked up, things being crushed, mm-hmm. big machines driving around. So yeah. And it was just magical there. I mean, I, I just loved the look of the show. It was so much fun to grade all those primary colors. Um, it, it looked like another world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one of my favorite shows to, uh, to, to take into post just because of the opportunity for really drawing out all those colors. It just looked amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought, so, and, Oh, and I do want to assure, uh, I do want to assure your viewers that the oil spilt was cleaned up. Um, we left no drop of oil on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, our show is incredibly environmentally conscious. Uh, so, so, so when, you, a, when you were saying like when Swifty spilled the budget, like, oh, we're going to have to clean that up. Was that said with like a hint of bitterness? Like, ah, oh, damn it. That's more well, for the cleaning. A crew. little, a bit, a little bit like, dude, do you really have to spill that? Cause we got to clean it up. But, um, no, it's just, uh, you know, I sort of find it humorous when people, I find it humorous when people make the assumption that you're doing the wrong thing rather than making the assumption that you might've done the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's, just sort of interesting to me, like not even a question like, um, oh, I hope you cleaned up that oil, question mark. No, it's I'm assuming you have not cleaned up that oil and that's an environmental hazard. And my husband pointed out that, you know, and then immediately it's like we've done all this bad stuff. And so I had to reply to somebody and say, I can assure you we uh, oh, and hashtag, uh, hashtag be better. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I had we've, to, we've gotten those. Yeah. I, I, I had to, I just, I was just very polite and I, and I just said, um, please rest assured, let your husband know that all the oil that was spilt was cleaned up and that we have a very strict environmental mandate throughout the entire production. We have boxed water. We, um, we make sure that our utensils are recyclable, like everything. We're really strict. The pay, the uh, we use uh, bamboo plates. We we 
we go to great lengths and it mm-hmm. costs us extra money to be more environmentally conscious because a lot of environmental choices end up costing you more money at the front end. Sure. Um, because it's so much easier to just throw stuff away and that sort of thing. Anyway, it's just, I, I get it. I get it. People are concerned and all of that. But um, I do hope this kind of a shift as we get out of, you know, a very tough year, we get to a shift of, I'm assuming you did the right thing as opposed to, I'm assuming you're doing the wrong thing. It's mm-hmm. like, let's kind of try to, you know, and everybody needs to be pulled up on things because we don't get everything right. Um, but let's be a little more in the, maybe you did the right thing. Amen, Phil. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Phil, what was the secret in terms of the uh, individual challenge? Do you feel like that... Uh, as somebody who was able to watch the whole thing, was there like, a, was it just like being able to get the uh, bolt open the fastest, or was it like a certain type of car was uh, really like uh, the jackpot? It was to me, and I said it at the top. There's so many times when when we're all faced with doing a job and we don't have the right tools. Um, how many times have people been stuck in the wilderness? And they've got a broken down tract. I remember my grandfather telling me a story about he was, he was out, it was during the depression and he was <laughs> actually, I, I think I could tell this story without offending anybody, but, um, cause goodness knows it's always a good to start to a story, mm-hmm. a good story, but could that good story offend somebody? I hope it doesn't offend anybody. Anyway, my grandfather was out on a date and the car broke down and he had to fix the fan belts and he asked his date to take off her pantyhose so that he could turn her pantyhose into a fan belt and that's how they got home um again if i've offended anybody yeah, as long as that wasn't his move it was a one-time thing i think it's okay <laughs> yeah. i'm just uh, saying I can't, oh, I can't believe it the fan the car belt broke down uh, yeah <laughs> no it was a legit it was a legit like that's mm-hmm. what he needed to fix it um but my point is so many times you're forced to have to complete a job and you don't have the right tool and you have to make do, you have to use ingenuity. And so that exercise was really a test of, yeah, you would not collect oil in an oil pan and then transport the oil in an oil pan to a container to put it in. You would put a, you'd get a proper container so that there'd be no drops and and then you would take that recycled oil. That's how they do it on the, the, the lot. But this was an exercise in, okay, how are they going to cope with observing where the bigger engines are, picking cars that they had potential to have more oil, um, uh, identifying, you know, like where those were, the closest big engines were to where they were, um, keeping a track of, oh, I already tried that engine or watching out for somebody else trying that engine and seeing that they didn't get anything from that engine. So there was a lot going on, you know, there's a, it was a it was a very stress we put them in a stressful situation and the the goal was to see who could cope with the stress and you know sarah is she's like an ice cold uh competitor like when she gets into competitive mode she just laser focused and i think that's why she won you saw scott slipped over scott was doing well but he he slipped over he was panicking a little bit and and then knuckles got in his head by sliding under and taking his oil and yeah. you know it was getting in his head and and I think Sarah is the one that kept her cool doing the job. Even her pores were slower. Like she was not rushing her pores. She was getting more of the oil in. 
and and that's how she, I think how she got the victory. So going back to the the team challenge, Phil, can you describe just how chaotic it was in the moment for Dirty Hands? Because it really did come across to us as Savage Crew, United Front, Dirty Hands all over the place. Was that really the sense as well yeah. at the time and on the lot? It was almost exactly the, the it was the polar opposite for each team of what happened in the landscaping challenge. Dirty Hands and the Landscaping Challenge were all together, organized. Knuckles took control. Arida was paying attention to details. Angel and, and Zeus were working for them in, in terms of doing, getting the, the soil in there, cutting the, the, the concrete uh, bricks. And Savage Crew fell apart. They just fell apart. And it was exactly the opposite in the car building challenge. Dirty Hands never got it together. They just... You know, and and Zeus was saying he didn't need instructions. Well, clearly everybody else did. So that's where you got to be more of a team player, maybe, and and go. Okay, I don't need instructions. But then I think Knuckles said, "Well, I do. Like I I don't know how to do this. I need the instructions." And everything that they had to do was carefully laid out in those those plans that and in, in instructions that we we gave them. So I think you know Zeus was the leader, and. And and I think, you know, I think he would be the first to admit that one of the things you learn about being a team member is that you can assume that everybody else knows what you know, that you sometimes have to make allowances and go, oh, okay, I don't need instructions, but I better make sure that to get the best out of my teammates, I help them understand or assign them a job and say, here's the instructions. You're in charge of the light bulbs. I mean, the headlamp, sorry, not light bulbs. Um, but whereas I think, uh, you know, that was, uh, uh, the challenge was really a moment for, for, uh, um, for us to see Savage Crew working really well as a, as a coordinated team. And Scott was very clear with his directions. I loved how uh, Sally kicked into operation mode. She just treated it like she was at an operation. Yeah, you know, you tell me what I need, what you need. I'll get the tool to you. I'll make sure. Sponge, scalpel, suction. You know, it's <laughs> like she was, I love that bit from her. And she's showing that all season long. Like she's prepared to jump in and do whatever needs to be done whenever it needs to be done. And they just, they came together as a team. And it was a great victory. And, you know, we ended up with our, our dream situation where, we have a, a tie going. We've got a tiebreaker again. I mean, the chances of that are minuscule. And for the person who said that they felt the show was scripted, uh, which I thought was kind of funny, and that somehow I could convince all these people, listen, guys, I've got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> you lose that one, and then you're going to win the next one, and then we'll get to a 4-4 thing because mm -hmm. that's going to be great. Are you good with that? You, <laughs> all of you people with high integrity and, you know, all of you honest people, are you good with that? Because I like to script things, and it would be great to go 4-4 into the finale. Are you good with that? Everybody good with that? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. <laughs> Phil, we had some questions about the mechanics behind this challenge, particularly um, we wondered about... Not the mechanics in the challenge? No, not the mechanics in the challenge. Yeah. Um, the mechanics of the challenge. Um, we were wondering about the decision to sit Meryl out, and we wanted to know if there's actually a rule that says that they can't sit the same person out every time. Um, no, I, I, um, I would I'd have to double check that, but my instinct would be no. I think 
the the goal what we said to them was the decision you need to make is who is the right person to sit out this challenge um had they wanted to sit Selly out again i don't think we would have argued with that that's a team choice mm-hmm. um and we sh- also shouldn't be uh we shouldn't be handicapping them in any way they have to they had to sit somebody out to begin with they should be able to put their who they feel are the four strongest people for that particular job mm-hmm. just because dirty hands uh are down a, a teammate doesn't mean that that should affect savage crew being able to put forward who they believe are the best four people to go up against them so i'd have to double check that but it's not a rule that i would support mm-hmm. i would i would say no let them this is a team this is a team thing and sometimes in a team you figure out who's going to sit on the bench because maybe one of your good players has got a bad ankle and you think let's play somebody else who's not maybe as good a player but has a better ankle today so yeah i would i would like to uh say that yeah i mean we never got to that it never got to that but and it's a good question and i guess it's something that we should prepare for but i would advocate for no you Sit out whoever you want to sit out. Yeah, and I mean, not to be results-oriented, but it seemed like it was the right choice, ultimately. Yeah, it was. And, and, um, and I think what's great about everybody on the show is that the egos are such that they, they understand what it's like to work on a team, and I think they could see... Uh, I think they, they're about the team and what's best for the team. It's not like I have to be in this because I need to do it for me. So I think Meryl volunteered to sit out because she felt that she would be, it would be more helpful maybe to have someone like Sally. Maybe she saw a strength in Sally that Sally was going to be that really good assistant Mm -hmm. and be able to help because she was working very closely with Scott. If you notice throughout handing tools to him, listening to him and what he had to say, she was she was very comfortable taking that role to support. And she mentioned it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think they all came together. And, you know, Sarah, of course, absolutely rock solid. Um, Swifty, you know, completely different um, energy level from him from, from last week. Uh, they, they were a really good team, I thought. Phil, can you talk about uh, Arida and now that she has won uh, back-to-back overtime challenges, it really feels like that she's coming on very strong here towards the end of the season. Yeah. I I mean, these are the things that you hope for at the beginning of a season, that you get a story where she had the least amount of confidence of everybody in the entire show. She said things like, I'm not even sure I belong in this group. You know, she doubted herself. Um she was constantly surprised every time she beat out some of the other people on the show. And so I love watching that. I love to see her confidence grow. I think now after the show, she's talked about the fact that her, you know, I think she stands up straighter. I think she holds her head higher, uh, not in an arrogant way, but just in a, you know what? <laughs> I'm actually a bit of a badass, and uh, I've proven it. I've gone up against some really tough competitors and I deserve to be here. And so I, I love to see that. I've, I've loved to watch that arc and people have fallen in love with her 
online because she represents a lot of other people who may be, you know, Knuckles spoke about this in, in, in the window washing um, and the paint, wall painting episode where she spoke to Zeus about being a woman and where, you know, she was never encouraged to speak out confidently about her abilities, whereas it sort of just came naturally to Zeus, you know, like as a man. And I'm generalizing because not all women are like that and not mm-hmm. all men are like that. But the, the, that was, a, I think, a culture where maybe Yoraida also was uh, not necessarily encouraged to speak out and be confident about her abilities. But she's proven, rather than just talking about it, she's actually proven that she has all the skills and abilities to be on top of his nails. And then on the other side of that, you mentioned Knuckles. Something that I really appreciated was Knuckles puts out the pretty obvious statement of like, I can't wait to watch this with my son. Mm -hmm. And she adds at the end of that, because I want to teach him that when you're not confident about doing certain things, you should almost like steer into that curve. And I think that's such an interesting lesson, right? Some people might, when faced with things that a lot of things that you don't know, would just say, stick with what you're good at. It's okay that you're not good at everything. But, you know, Knuckles, despite losing at this juncture, really does come back or come out of the game or the individual game with this attitude of, okay, I'm not good at everything, but nobody is. And you should take advantage of those things as learning opportunities. Am I going to be draining oil from a car? No, but I learned things about myself through exposing myself to things I've never done before. Yeah. Knuckles is a very special woman. Um, I think the, the one of the reasons that she is one of the most popular on, on this season is because of her humility. Um, she's opened up, you know, it's a big deal to go on national television and to expose some of your weaknesses and to own them. And we've celebrated victories with her. And we have also, uh, seen her become extremely vulnerable and open up. And what better lesson is there to teach your child uh, than, than owning up to some of the things you need to work on and then facing them head on. You know, in my, in my book, No Opportunity Wasted, my book, I have a thing, I have a chapter which is called Face Your Fear. For years, I, uh, I had this near-death experience. I, I was deathly afraid of claustrophobic tight spaces, and I deliberately went to dive the world's longest underwater caves under the Yucatan jungle as a mental exercise to let to let fear know that it was not uh, my f- fear of tight spaces and my fear of being trapped underground was not going to control me. That if I really put my mind to it, I could control that fear. It's not you ever necessarily get over that fear. I'm still petrified about being in tight spaces, but I proved to myself that I could go there. I could allow my mind to go there. And, um, you know, if you live in a comfort zone like this, if you, I'm, I'm holding up my hands here, like with a small separation, if you live in that little comfort zone in the, in the cotton wool of life, where you're trying to protect yourself from going too low, or you're trying to protect yourself from going too high, and you're just trying to tr- keep it there right there in the middle. Um, when something crazy happens in your life that takes you to a hundred, um, if you haven't had the mental practice, the practice of trying things you're not good at, pushing yourself, it comes as such a shock. You're not as well-versed in coping with it. So I think the lesson that Knuckles is trying to share with their kids is 
If you're not good at something, go that way, steer that way, try to learn from that and be stronger and it will help you in all aspects of your of your life. So I think that's what she was saying. And I think, yeah, what better lesson for us to teach our kids that don't just shy away from things you're not good at or scared of. Actually turn in that direction and, hit and face them head on. It'll make you stronger. It'll make you a better person. It'll make you more understanding. Um, and it'll help you in all aspects of life. Phil, can I ask you a question about uh, with the uh, Knuckles who was eliminated from the competition and she was so great uh, and she still is yeah. on the show, but uh, is just such a great narrator for uh, the show. I'm just wondering now we're two seasons into Tough as Nails. Would you ever consider a Tough as Nails all stars or is that idea of bringing people back sort of like against the ethos of the show where we're finding people who are just uh, from all walks of life and bringing them into this competition? No, I would absolutely consider it. And and I'd also listen to our listen to the fans of Tough as Nails. I mean, I could see a time where they're so connected off the show. Uh, I, I caught up with Freight Train a couple of days ago, just checking in. I've checked in on a number of people on the show. And I just wanted to check in on him. And he was about to go back to work to deliver 80 more packages for the rest of the day. And wow, he, he and his wife sent me this great T-shirt. And so I wanted to thank him. Um, and uh, look, I, I think there's an opportunity for some redemption. Um, for some people to come back and have another go, another crack at it, or somebody like a Danny who came so close but didn't quite make it. Um, no, I'd definitely be open to that idea. I think they're they're so connected off the show, both season one and season two people, and already season two people are talking about connecting with people on season three. They reached out to each other. We didn't mm-hmm. say, hey, it would be really great if you guys connected. You know, you're both on Dirty Hands. Um, and by the way, a lot of discussion amongst them all about this whole legacy thing. And Ooh. yeah, no, they, they, they said that had they not been a part of Dirty Hands, they wouldn't have necessarily reached out to the people, other people on Dirty Hands, but the people mm-hmm. they reached out to were the people on Dirty Hands. So hmm. I think that, yeah, I get the whole, you know, let's change it up and make a whole new name every season. Um, and 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 that makes the most sense now because the franchise is young. But I think in five years' time, I could see the best of the best in Dirty Hands or the best of the best in Savage Crew coming back and competing mm-hmm. uh, against each other. Can you imagine? Like, Dirty Hands All Stars versus Savage Crew yeah. All Stars. I mean, yeah, like the the Pro Bowl. I mean, it's an interesting idea, though, right? Because you talk a lot about you know struggles and adversity that occur in your life off of toughest nails but like now is there sort of this inner narrative right where you have someone like you can bring back a rider or a young someone who has survived so many overtimes like they're yeah, building yeah, the, narratives the overtimers the yeah exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. they're building narratives of their own adversity within the show of toughest nails as well so that if you do decide to do a returning player season they're, they almost have their own difficulties that they face inside of the game as well as outside of the game now. Yeah, that's really, that's a, I, I think that's really uh, an interesting approach. And look, I think we got to be, I think you got to be open to all possibilities. Um, I think part of the creative process is just, you know, it's like that improv thing, you know, where I did a lot of improv theater where you always say yes to the craziest idea, even if you're like looking at the person going, what did you just say? Like, how did we turn that direction? You go, 
Yes, that's a great idea. And yes, we- we'll use the pantyhose <laughs> and the fan belt, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, like I said, if I've offended anybody, I just want you to know my grandfather was well intentioned. He wanted to get home. They were, I think, they were stuck somewhere out in the in the uh, along the Buller River somewhere in the West Coast, and they needed to get home before dark or whatever. I don't know. Please assume that the right things were happening. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take any more. Yeah. Um, Jess, I just want to say your your son uh, is, is George. Is that correct? Yeah, George. And, and and I just want to say that your 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 son absolutely uh, outdid me with the plaid. Um, please let him know he's won the plaid competition. I can't compete with that kind of plaid um, or the look, quite frankly. Um, and George <laughs> takes the prize for best plaid of the week. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. best dress. Where's Amazing. the badge of honor? <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I, I'm going to have to make one, I think. Yeah, it was just crazy to see you in that orange plaid shirt. I'm like, that's what George was wearing like three days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I got the memo from George. He said, could you please wear the orange plaid shirt? Yep. Rob, we need a, a little ding for George, if that's all right. Can we get a... There we go. <laughs> He's going to uh, love that. The, the winner. Yeah, um, his favorite thing to do is he just kind of walks up to me and says, Mommy? are you tough as nails? And I'll say, sure, George. And then he just falls over laughing. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. That's well, okay. I thought he's going to walk up to you and go time to get to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're working on that. His, his Phil impression is not quite up to snuff. Yet. Yeah. It's not there yet. Okay. There. All right. Well, he's got the dress down, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, any, uh, uh, should I be asking you questions? Cause everybody likes when a, when I'm not on from my production <laughs> yeah. and, and then B, when I ask you a question, cause then it's That's about a small sample filters. size you're talking to though, Phil, <laughs> exactly. of people that like yeah, when you're not Phil, on. Like, they're the literally the only ones that do not like it when you're on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> we, can we, how do we steer things off the rails, you know, to, to, uh, to address that, that, uh, that listener that loves it when we all get together and anything could happen. Crazy mm-hmm. things. Um, all right. You can't so, force it, Phil. You have to yeah. let it happen organically. Oh, we're just going to let it go yeah, off. Well, so. can, I, can I share with you one of my favorite moments last night was when you uh, asked them, uh, what, now who here knows what an oil pan does? <laughs> <laughs> that was my, that was my yeah, favorite. Yeah, there's a lot of sassy Phil last night between that and, of course, like the, uh, well, he ride is talking to an engine and it's not talking back because it's an engine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yes a young producer uh, uh a young producer on the team actually dug that out and then um asked me played it to me and said are you okay if we put this in and i said hell yeah like that, that's we got to show a little humanity like if you can't laugh at the, if i've somehow offended any engines out there listening who mm-hmm. who who can talk back i apologize for any any uh engines i've offended um but uh yeah no that's because it's an engine no it's just like uh gosh we need a little levity um we all need to laugh just a little bit more more in this world i think yeah Unless you guys going to tell me now that engines really do talk back wasn't there some animation cartoon animation where there was an engine I guess that was, oh, I know someone, um, uh, someone in production. I said, oh, nobody talks back. I said, no, no engine talks back. And they went, yeah, no kidding. Captain obvious. And then, um, I said, well, don't you remember Kit? He talked back. Mm. Um, right? he was a whole yes. Yeah, I believe uh, Kit actually turned like 90-something. William Daniels turned 90-something this week, the voice of Did Kit. he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He came up on another podcast I was on. So for those, uh, for those listeners, 
who don't know who uh, Kit is, Kit was a car that David Hasselhoff, and if you don't know who David Hasselhoff is, he was the guy from Baywatch. And if you don't know what Baywatch is, that was like the biggest TV show yeah. in the world for like a very, very long time. Um, yes, the, the car would talk to David Hasselhoff's yes. character. What was the name? Knight Rider? Uh, no, uh, Knight uh, uh, Rider. Yeah, Knight exactly. Rider. Yeah. That's right. Knight and Arida. the car would run over people's feet. And then, oh, no. And Mike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, so, I believe, I believe uh, David Hasselhoff's character was named Michael. I think. Yeah, he was Michael yes. Knight. Yes. And then he was Michael. He was and then also how a did writer. They, how did Kit's voice go? Can you guys, any of you, do it? I think we're all too young for that, Phil. Okay, like, got I'm, it. I'm afraid right. I can't do that, Michael. But then, yeah, no, no, that's Hal. That's not Mike. Well, because they, they, well, they brought it back. I remember in the 2000s where mm -hmm. uh, Will Arnett was the voice, and it was primarily oh. because people wanted him to say like Michael in his, uh, you know, deep Michael. Background. Exactly, <laughs> like 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 what he would do on Arrested Development, and so that was part right. of the reason why they brought it back for a short amount of time. Okay, that's but very you, strange. You, you you with a Kubrick uh, uh, reference there, right? You're going way back to Hal days. Yeah, that's old school. Jeez, that's timeless. real old school. I'm too young for for those kinds of references. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Phil, I wanted to I wanted to give you a note actually. Okay, um, good. Because I think you're here for notes. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> my favorite thing that you do in the show is, and I want you to do this for every challenge now, is yes. you hold up a relevant piece of equipment and you say who knows what this is this should be something you do every time even if it's something really dumb mm -hmm. like hold up the orange and be like who knows what this is does everybody know what this is yes mm -hmm. exactly okay i'll i'll uh okay i'm yeah, gonna make um, that make that a thing i'll make that a thing um, I do, I, I do love asking the questions you know the obvious questions and i yeah. love the look on a writer's face where she's kind of like Holds the oil like yes, that's yes. right. Yes, that's a story in a nutshell, though, right? Like she's yeah. not confident that she knows what the answer is, but she knows what the answer is. Right, exactly. Yeah, no. Look, it's just a matter of trying to have some have some fun. Um, uh, we we had a great moment, by the way. I posted it online, but we had a little barbecue after that overtime, and uh, Swifty got on the barbecue and showed off his barbecuing skills. And uh, cooked up some great burgers, and we we had sort of like the backyard moment, you know, in um, in episode seven of season one, where mm -hmm. we were in the backyard, and everybody just got together, and we pulled out a few of the uh, toughest nails ales, and uh, nobody, uh, <laughs> just so you know, nobody driving had a beer. Yes. Just want to make that clear. Um, everybody driving had a soda pop, non-alcoholic water, hydrated. Everybody was hydrated. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so we we enjoyed a. Uh, a beer and uh, a burger. And it was just great. It was the end of the day. The sun was setting. It's just a really good camaraderie. And I, and I just remember thinking how cool it was to be able to hang out with such an eclectic mix of people. And as Freight Train said, he said, you know, he's become very, very close with Zeus. And, um, and he said, you know, not in a million years, if you told me, uh, you know, a year ago that I was going to be best friends with a guy called Zeus from Hawaii uh, with, with tattoos on his neck and that we were going to be best friends and talk every single day, sometimes twice a day. He said, I would have told you you were crazy. And he said, but I am. And he said, you know, we all talk and we're like this unlikely group of people that have come together and we're, we really like each other. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it just makes me and all of us on the production, it makes us feel really good to know that we've, created a culture uh, where the contestants actually really like each other and they respect <laughs> each other. 
and yet they'll go, you know, they'll go all out. You'll see as we get towards the final, it gets, it gets heated and, and the competition gets heated. But at the end of the day, it's like respect. And um, I think there, there's some good life lessons there for all of us. Yeah. How was Swifty on the grill? Swifty is great on the grill. He, you know, he's not great in the, he's not great doing landscaping, but boy, he's, he's, he's good on the end of a long spatula on a barbecue. Yeah, he took the plastic off the burgers before he put them on the grill. <laughs> he knows his barbecue. He knows yeah. the heat. He was talking to me about that. Well, hands. he's used to standing next to the heat. So, you know. Yeah. So he knows, I mean, I think that's probably why he's so good. Honestly, he really, he was like, you got to get the temperature right. You know, you don't want it too hot, but you got to get, you know, you want to cook it through and it's, it's just science, you know, it's just a certain amount of heat and a certain amount of time and then a certain amount of thickness on the meat. Like he had it dialed in. So it was kind of nice. It was just a, a little break before everybody headed home in their vans. In the damn van. In the damn van. I was going to say, uh, were the vans that they built in the team challenge operational? Could they have driven that thing home after the challenge? Not really. No, I mean, they were barely, you know, they functioned, but they were barely functional. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and. Uh, you know, initially, my idea was to have them. I wanted some kind of punctuation, you know, yeah. something to end it with. And um, initially, my my first thing was let's get a pile of tires and we'll have them drive through the tires. And then we're like, mm, probably not a good idea. That might activate the yeah. airbags. <laughs> so uh, so then we savage um, crew like hooting and hollering in victory, and then like <laughs> yeah, like boom, the thing blows up. <laughs> I mean, it would have made for a great shot. Um, and just so you know, we are saying all of this to all of those listening. We are saying this in jest. We were not really considering driving through tires. It mm-hmm. wasn't a thing that happened. So um, I'm guessing that Demolition Derby would then be right out. It, well, de- Demolition Derby could be done as long as it's done safely. I mean, they do Demolition Derby. If we got a five-point harness and you've got like good you know, protection around everybody, that could happen. But... Uh, you know, safety is number one, Jess. Okay. All right. Safety is number one for us. Yeah. You're no fun anymore. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> could you uh, give us a tease for uh, what's coming up next week? So it's going to be the uh, final team showdown. Yes. Um, final team showdown. And um, you, uh, you heard it here first. There may or may not be. Uh, some surprise guests. Okay. All right. Okay. Then it's freight train. (laughs) Okay. We'll see. I don't know. I I think it's going to be that very particular nail gray paint lover from a couple episodes ago. I think he's finally going to show up. I don't know. My roof. Michael, do I need to explain to you that that (laughs) that's a fictitious character that I made up and that there is no particular man who is very particular about his wall and who's wealthy and who had dirty hands do a whole bunch of work for nothing and that I did not break any labor laws? Do I need to explain that to you, Michael? But the twist is that he really is a real guy, but he's going to explain that he compensated everybody fairly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, you're absolutely right, Michael. The particular man is going to turn up. He's got another job that needs to be done. And uh, he said, I've got some great news for you. There's a good news and bad news. Um, those of you who get the job done first will get paid. And those of you who finish the job last will not get paid. At the end of the day, I get my job done. Yes, so he's <laughs> going to be turning up. <laughs> this is a joke. Uh, yes. I really, hope, I really hope it's just filling a top hat and a mustache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally a real guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Monopoly you, you sound, man. The Monopoly man's going like to turn Phil. up with the cane and the, <laughs> and the <hat. laughs> monocle. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So final team challenge. Um, it's a showdown because we're at four four. There's uh seventy two thousand dollars on the line because of the sixty thousand dollar cash bonus plus the twelve thousand dollars. Um. Uh. Oh, you know what I have right here? I was going to send these out to everybody. Yes. It's a big stack of cash. (laughs) Yes. Phil has walked away from his uh, post. I'm so interested. And he's coming back with something. I was going to go and get my. I hope it's not going to be oranges. Yeah. Yes. um, I'm going to send. I'm going to send. I'm going to send all of these out to the to the winners of the um, of the challenges. Yes. These are are the badges of honor from season two. Yeah. So I'm holding up the badges of honor. And can I just. Give you guys credit. You got me to reduce the size of the badges of honor because you said I was spending too much money on printing. Yeah, and so, now they're sh- and now they're shippable, and we're saving and, you right. money on postage. Yeah, and you're saving me money on postage. So uh, this one will go out to uh, freight train. Okay. Right? Yes. Okay. This that is you painting the lines for and the people. This one to the will podcast. go to. This is a test, and this one will go to Scott. Correct. Yeah, that's the and, car uh, pick apart. Uh, painting the walls. I um, believe it hmm. was that. I think that was a Swifty one. That was Swifty, correct? Yes. Ding. You need bells here, Rob. Sorry. Bells. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, bells. Hey, bells. Okay. Uh, okay. boy. Uh, that was a dirty hands win, and so, um, what was that? that? Was that a knuckles? No. Not knuckles. He he he, he may love island living. Oh, oh, Zeus. Zeus. <laughs> and then this is, uh, oh, that's uh, Arida. No, that, the- was, that was Knuckles. This is the landscaping challenge won by Knuckles. Knuckles. Uh, this one here. Okay. Oh, that was, uh, that's Tara. And lobster traps, yeah. Tara. Tara. I think I have one more. Okay. The barn that raising. was the first, the very first challenge of the season, uh, putting up, building the garage. Uh, one first- by which team? Uh, was it the Savage Crew? Savage yeah, Crew, right? It was right? Scott. And, the, Scott. and that was Scott. So look, you guys are doing pretty well. You've paid attention throughout the entire season. I give you uh, yes. Give yourselves a bell, there, Rob. Ding. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I didn't participate, so don't give me a bell. It's, no, it's all the two of you. Come on, Jess. yes. I, I, they, they were, uh, they jumped in. Don't you think, Jess, and didn't give you a chance to answer? <laughs> Phil, <laughs> don't bury on. us on the podcast. <laughs> Listen, her son's got a great plaid shirt, better even than yours, Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'm going to be sending I'm going to be sending those out, and uh, uh, and then uh, what else can I tell you? I I think that's about it, right? Do you need any uh, anything else from me? Oh, and um, the individual challenge. So yes, from the individual, we go from five uh, down to our final four, mm-hmm. and um, and and the the showdown in the overtime is pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. And we go into our uh, finale with uh, all about the individual competition and our final four and from four down to three. And Jess is laughing because she's seen Rob pull a calendar out. Yes, well, I have to to update our to April on our tough as nails calendar. Uh, I thought I was going to see who's uh, Mr. or Mrs. April. Uh, But uh, no, we have our uh, season one uh, teams. Uh, I think this was from the the. The pilot uh, from the or, or from the the first uh, challenge working on the the rail lines. I see Miles here with yep. uh, like a pickaxe working on uh, putting together some uh, miles of track. Yep, episode one hundred and two, which was combined with one hundred and one, and so went as a two-hour special. 
Um, yeah, I'm glad you got your calendar. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, sp- speaking of, speaking of that, Phil, uh, since there's going to be four competitors going into the finale, should we expect a one-hour finale, or is it going to be another two-hour finale like last it's season? A, it's a one-hour. Um, yep, it's a, it's a one-hour, and uh, it's good. It's a, you know, we're just like I was saying just before I got on the call with you, we were doing the final notes, and it's it's looking great. I think okay. you'll I think you guys will be happy. We got uh, we got some good feedback from the network, which is which is always nice. And uh, yeah, we're good to go. Um, have you guys finished your main meal yet? Um, can I, because uh, I think uh, the dessert menu might be coming around. <laughs> yeah. Well, we always appreciate you making time for us, Phil. And we're looking forward to seeing who is going to walk away uh, with the championship for the teams last week. Uh, this is a redemption story for Dirty Hands or can Savage Crew make it two in a row? Yes, exactly. And um, look, as I get off and leave you with the check once again, um, please say interesting things so the, uh, for, so the production team are happy because they're happy when I'm off and they're happy when I leave. Mm-hmm. That? I'm not even sure if that makes sense. Because they anyway, get you say, back. Yeah. Yeah. Say interesting things. Uh, be captivating. Um, give my best to George. I certainly will. And, uh, and, and I'll uh, catch up with you guys uh, next week. Okay. Yeah. All right, Phil. Thank it's you so right. much. All right. Take care. All the best. Bye. All right. And uh, our conversation with Phil Kogan uh, is uh, sponsored by our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it could be hard work, but you know what's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. And it's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See how much you could save. It's Geico. Easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Okay. All right. What else from uh, Tough as Nails episode eight? Only two weeks left to go. I got to say the individual challenge reminded me. I know that Phil talked about, you know, purposely creating an out of the ordinary situation. But man, it reminded me so much of Double Dare between like the (laughs) sloppy material, between having to work around a really awkward object to get things from one place to another. It immediately transported me back and Phil transformed into uh oh god mark summers mark summers name yeah that that i merely lost his name but yeah you know phil became mark summers in that moment uh only a little less ocd having to negotiate all the oil being spilled yeah the coveralls really kind of made it they just needed they just needed like the goggles and the coveralls and i think particularly sarah's blueberry coveralls yes oh yes she said she felt like uh, she was in uh willy wonk and the chocolate factory yeah well she was the only one who got a color that popped i noticed everybody had like slightly different shades and then you got the like super saturated blue one for sarah you always knew where she was in the drone shots Mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting i wonder what the wardrobe was like in that because i also noticed that all of the embroidery on the name tags were all completely different as well each and every person had a different font was there like a super nerdy person in the graphic design department being like what font is Swifty. Let me yeah. try to figure this out. Okay, you get Proxima Nova. You get <laughs> Calibri. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I got stuck with Papyrus. This exactly. sucks. <laughs> Angel, your wingdings. <laughs> 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 um, let's see. Uh, we had some questions uh, from uh, the listeners. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nick Fishman was if Sarah was the blueberry, could you tell us who the rest of the Willy Wonka kids are from the cast? Ooh, I feel like I feel like Knuckles has Charlie Bucket energy. Uh, it's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I could like see very, it. Like very humble, you know. I feel like she's the person that would be gifted a chocolate factory at the end of like, oh, I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just has like a very good heart. 
Maybe it's because Knuckles sounds like Bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you, Phil is going to turn over the franchise to her at the end of the season. Is that what it's going to be? Knuckles, you've won. <laughs> Pass the test. <laughs> yeah. and Phil actually is going to like be like, Knuckles, you screwed up the oil pan. That's it. You're eliminated. You're you no know, end of rules. And then good day, sir. Exactly. <laughs> and then she comes back. and He's like, oh, you've done it. That was my. That was the test to see who truly was tough as nails. And then she takes off in a big elevator into the sky at the end. Yeah, I do think that uh, tough as nails could use some sort of like a Slugworth type character of like an antagonist <laughs> of like the people who are Maybe it's the you know, wealthy man. Yeah, the, the, the particular man who's very wealthy who's trying to undo Karina. the hard work. That, like, uh, look, look what old Slugworth has done here again. He's broken all of these vehicles, uh, oh, made all these windows dirty for you. So I thought I thought it'd be more of a temptation, like, oh Zeus, you must spill the nail gray paint and I'll give you five thousand dollars for it. Tour. <laughs> He's like, I, I feel like maybe he res- maybe he represents the looming specter of capitalism that is destroying union jobs across the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I, I do think that something that should be added is at the end of every episode, I do think the Oompa Loompa should come out and sing a, a ballad. <laughs> For mm-hmm. the eliminated contestant. <laughs> You're of, for it. Of what they did wrong, Mike? Is yeah, that what exactly. they highlight? Yeah. What <laughs> do you get when you take apart engines? <laughs> <laughs> or don't read the instructions. Yeah. Um, then uh, also, Nick Fishman wants to know, if you could pick anyone to cheer you on during the challenge, who would you pick? Jess, is there anybody that you would want to see from this Tough as Nails crew be your moral support? I mean, honestly, Meryl did such a good job this yes. week. It was... And I think Sally did a great job last week too. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really it's really hard to quantify. Like, I think I'm going with Angel though. Yeah, I that's feel the- like <laughs> I feel like he's the classic motivator. He's yes. gonna be like, he's gonna he's gonna keep me running. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna not want to get tired in front of Angel, who's yelling at me to do better. But if you're ever out of eye uh, sight uh, for Angel, like Jess, Jess, where, where are, are you? you? Jess. <laughs> yeah, I think Angel is the right answer here. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Mike Mora wants to know, uh, was it banned to fold up the edges of the oil pan to make mm. it hold more and spill less? Could you bend that, Jess? I mean, it wasn't like uh, made of like uh, like it wasn't like um, uh, something that you would like take to Rust the turkey in. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't seem to me like that was something. I think maybe you could. Maybe like, Zeus could have done it. When it got a little wobbly, mm. I could see like you had the hands and it was kind of twisting and wobbling. I think if you like had one hand on each side and you kind of jerked it, uh, jerked it up like this. I For people that are not watching the video, I'm making very particular motions with my hands and it's mm-hmm. not good podcasting. But mm-hmm. I think if you kept it sort of concave, you might be able to keep a little more yeah. oil. But yeah. I was trying to figure out if there was a good way to hold that. Thing. Yeah. Like, could you put one hand under it? Would that be better? It's hard to tell. Yeah, coincidentally, uh, Mike, the, the last two uh, episodes have had challenges featuring like a big part of winning the challenge was not spilling uh, between the overtime yeah. between uh, Meryl and Arida and then also this challenge here with the oil. So it's uh, maybe we should get like a waiter or a waitress in uh, the next season of Tough as Nails. But then you rename the the tribe um, Steady Hands. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's it's, it's less dirty hands, more steady hands here in terms of balance. Yeah, I I think that the problem with the tray was that it was too big. Like, I think the surface area as well doesn't help unless you're like Magneto. I don't know if you can (laughs) bend the tray to be able to hold on enough oil at that point. Mm. 
Okay. Anything else from episode eight of Tough as Nails? Anything else? I think I've I've gotten to the end of my list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Michael? Yeah, I'm good. We went through all the parts. So we have a fully assembled pod car that we can drive off now through a bunch of, through a big uh, foam wall. I did like that ending as well. It was a little, again, you know, a little made for TV cheesiness. Obviously, the real people that are putting cars together do not do that mm-hmm. at the end. Though I, they do taste the airbag. So maybe that's part of it doing the job. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll see next week a special guest on Tough as Nails. Uh, could it be Drywall Danny? Could he be coming back to host the Drywall Challenge? Now, if that's the case, is he going to be like, much like the captain was socially distanced, yes. be like on a roof far away? Yeah, he yeah. could have him outside and sort of so like... So how, how do we know it's really hip then? Couldn't they just get somebody to dress up like him and stand on the roof 100 yards away? <laughs> no, there's Danny only one... stand-in? Only yeah. one drywall Danny. Um, so uh, we'll see uh, what's going to happen next week as we get to the final team challenge on Tough as Nails, followed by the final individual challenge of the season in two weeks okay uh jess what do you have that you are working on well i mean apart from obviously going to train my four-year-old to say time to go to work Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i'm also covering the walking dead over on post show recaps and Chappelle and i are just about to wrap up um season 10 finally and then we're going to go right into fear the walking dead because we have it on good authority that it's going to be a great season and we're just having so much fun it's really a joy to talk to him every week And then this past week, um, I was on community building, which I think is where we had the long conversation about, um, about Knight Rider. Mm -hmm. I can't actually remember. It's Knight Rider. Yeah, not Knight Rider. It's a different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we talked about, and my favorite episode of community over on community building, it was a great time. So I encourage people to check that out. And also like the network in general, we're doing a lot of fun stuff over on Post Show Recaps. Okay. And then, Mike, what about you? On that note of poster recaps, uh, the usual weekly fair as of late, Lost Down the Hatch, The Bloom Files, and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be approaching its halfway point uh, by the time people are listening to this. So we're going to be breaking all of that down, as well as maybe a couple of other PSR surprises. And then over on the reality TV side of things, Survivor South Africa, we just did a two and a half hour interview with the winner oh. of Survivor South Africa season five, a seven year belated <laughs> deep dive. <laughs> it was very fun because he was like, oh, okay, I don't remember doing that, but I guess I did. Uh, it's it's a really interesting memory test for him as well. And also to get uh, their insights too. And we're going to have some more deep dives coming up in the next couple of weeks as well, as we're leading into a couple months before certain new survivor is finally coming our way. And on the note of survivor, uh, Rob, I'm going to be with you next week. You, me and Taryn Armstrong coming together on the pyramids to talk about survivor Guatemala, the 27th, 27th best season of survivor survivor yeah. Guatemala. Yes. Listen, in my opinion, way too low. Too low. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for another conversation. I've been watching it back. I've been really enjoying it. These contestants are proving their tough as nails considering they are playing Survivor in 114 degree heat. Yep. Uh, so I'm excited to, to, you know, get heated as I talk with you and Taryn next week about it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that uh, in on Wednesday. But last night I talked about the 28th best season of Survivor. Survivor Fiji had uh, a great time talking with Aaron Robertson and Gia Worthy about all things Survivor Fiji over the weekend. I will be back with our patron feedback show 
show. Every weekend, I do an additional podcast about the season that we talk about on The Countdown, and I take all the questions we couldn't get to on the panel on our patron podcast feed, Uh, not to mention lots of other great stuff going on uh, this week, in addition to everything uh, Big Brother Canada happening on the podcast. Also, uh, the wives of News AF took over on uh, Tuesday. That was a lot of fun with Nicole and Rachel and Liz. Uh, if you missed that one, and then on our reality TV wrap ups feed, uh, Brittany Haynes and Matt Hoffman joined the Temptation Island recap uh, this week with Kirsten and Maggie to talk about the latest episode of Temptation Island. Uh, of course, uh, that's all but rob has a website.com and of course the start of a new month here on rob is a podcast is a great time to jump in and become a patron of the podcast in addition to everything we have going on in our patron podcast feed on friday night we're going to have our first ever patron survivor trivia night jordan kalish is going to join uh zach brooks for our patron trivia event plus uh lots of other great weekly activities last week uh mike and i uh did another patron brand steal and at the end of this month last week of the month i'm going to be doing a, a new patron orientation uh meetup where if you have any questions about being a patron or uh just want to say hi you could join me uh on the last tuesday of the month uh where i want to get a chance to meet all of our new patrons at rob slash patron all right anybody have anything else that's going to do it for us here again thank you for checking out our tough as nails uh coverage have a good one take care everybody bye Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and it's hard work, but you know it's easy bundling with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance, and it's a good thing, too. You're busy enough. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today.